0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. To help make your dreams come true, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at richarddugan.com. And the podcasts are at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry, Player FM, and a whole bunch of others that folks are linking us to, and we thank you for that. We also thank you if you would like, if you uh, have supported us financially in the past, thank you so much. If you like what we're doing here on the program to show folks uh, different ways, uh, new ways of living that are uh, good for all of us, not just a select few uh, and you'd like to be a part of what we're doing um, we have a PayPal and Patreon account that will uh, assist you in doing that and you'll also be joining for this year for the year of 2020 the year of perfect vision that's inner vision uh, to uh, to guide us uh, through our days and nights and weekends and holidays and vacations and work days all of those other times as well uh, to uh, to make this uh, a wonderful year. And a great start to a new decade. That's right. This is a new decade. 2020 begins a new decade. Whether, And I know there was a big controversy over when the uh, millennium changed, uh, whether it was 2000 or 2001. Who cares? We're in it. <laughs> this is the 21st century. And uh, with that, we're going to talk about, boy, I tell you what, uh, I know of, of contractors here in Santa Barbara. And if they built houses... Based upon the title of the book we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, maybe in the summertime that might be kind of nice with the ocean breeze rolling through. But I don't know so much in the winter. We're going to be talking with our uh, our guest, the author of a book entitled "A uh, House with Holes," not a question mark there. That's mine. "A uh, House with Holes: Our Marriage Journey in a uh, Charleston Renovation." Denise Matt um broadwater i want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and i'm hoping your house doesn't have holes
1: well it the holes are getting better so. good
0: i'm glad <laughs> to hear that good. very good uh and of course uh, you know obviously we're you know speaking of of relationships we're fe- speaking of marriage here and so forth uh, but uh, i would think that this would apply to pretty much any relationship that one might have um and Huh. I, I, I hate using this phrase because it's so tired. It's so old. I, it, I, 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 but I can't think of another one. But in the times in which we live today, <laughs> sorry, cringe, yes. um, we have rifts within families mm-hmm. uh, today, which yes. is abso- I don't know that this kind of thing ever has ever existed nationwide although I'm sure it's probably even global, too, but nationwide uh, in this country. I can't remember any time in history, you know, what history I do know, where, you know, we've got not just holes, whole walls are missing. And, I mean, it's just, it's really kind of sad.
1: Yes, it seems like connecting and staying connected and making good recovery isn't always good and possible, isn't Relationships.
0: Well, first of all, tell us about. And I, I know that this is partially a metaphor, a house with holes. It is. So tell us about, metaphorically speaking, the house.
1: Okay, so the house, um, the house is um, an old uh, Charleston cottage that we discovered in our look for a cottage. And it was 90 years old, and so therefore um, had a lot of needs. It had been a rental for many years, and um, we were only the third owners. It was built in 1929, and we were the third owners. So, they had passed through uh, the Moultrie family for many generations, and um, over that time, you know, the care of the foundation and the and the plumbing and all the things that go with that just became very needy and that property uh became more valuable charleston is a very sought after um, area and it's growing and as the town pushed out of course you know the houses and the properties uh owners began to sell and so this was an older woman that owned this and she came into the closing on a walker and had been in her family for since the 1940s um but she couldn't care for it anymore and it and it um we purchased it with the hopes of restoring in a you know restoring back to its uh, even better than its original. Mm. So.
0: All right. So let's now talk about the holes metaphorically speaking.
1: <laughs> so the holes um, as my husband began to open it up, you know, there were you know gaping things and I began to compare that To our relationships, I am a marriage therapist. Uh, As part of my practice, I do general practice. But I began to realize marriages have holes, just like this house, and they just keep coming, don't they? We are 30-plus years in, and I sit with many couples now that are dealing with the threat of divorce at 20 years. And, you know, the holes are those hard things that we deal with that make it difficult to relate and conflict and things that go unresolved and build up. So just much like this house, I thought, wow, there's a parallel here. And as we were working on it, of course, our holes and the stress uh, began to show up even more. So.
0: Well, I can certainly relate to the extent that um, my wife and I just uh, a year ago or so, a little more than a year ago, purchased a, uh, a truck uh, due to a, a non-injury car accident Uh, our vehicle was totaled, so we got a payout and we had a down payment, so we bought a a pickup truck, uh, towards wanting to buy a travel trailer, which we did buy,
2: uh,
0: in October of 2019. And, um, when we got it home, we needed to reposition it. Now, we, I've never owned a trailer before. I have never tried to back one of these things up and get it into position. (laughs) Neither has my wife. And um, our neighbors, who are probably a good two or three hundred feet away from us, up on a hill over above us, uh, heard, uh, not foul language, mind you, but just loud talking. Okay, turn the wheels to the left. No, no, to the right. No, back the other way. Okay, cut it tighter. And, and this went on for probably, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And finally, we we stopped. We said, let's shut her down. Let's go in the house. Let's pop on YouTube and see if we can't get some tips. And so we did that. We went in the house for about a half an hour and we watched (laughs) some YouTube videos. We went back out, still struggled a little bit, but we finally got it where we wanted it. And ever since then, we've been working on that. But that aspect, having never done this before uh, and trying to give directions, let alone follow directions, Uh, in a way that you're just not used to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, at that moment, uh, you know, I think at least, uh, uh, superficially at least for the most part, really put a strain on the two of us. I mean, we were really both exhausted. I think we crashed after we got the, uh, the, the trailer positioned and set up and everything. Um, and, uh, uh, it seems to me like it's those kinds of things. It's even though I am a firm believer in it, the details will make you or break you. And I apply that. I apply that to just about any scenario and situation in life. Um, but I mean, this certainly wasn't a divorce worthy event. I can't, I can't communicate with you. So we're done, you know, Yeah. but, I know that there are people who are sort of like right on that edge where that could definitely conceivably um, put a major rift. And of course, afterwards, after we got everything squared away, you know, hey, I'm sorry for yelling or not hearing and this. And we went through that process of sort of, I don't want to say necessarily reconciling, but okay, we'll use that word. And, you know, it's on all is good. And ever since then, we've taken a trip and we've had to do the same kinds of things. And, she does, she, she backs that thing up and puts it in position a heck of a lot better than I do. So I have a lot more practice, but I'm willing to learn. Um, and you know,
1: that's, isn't that what it's, that's what it's all about, a, isn't it? Yeah, it's, the learning. It's figuring out who's good at what and then being okay with it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're learning together, that was a good experience for you. Now, I'm going to tell you, that caused you some stress, didn't it? Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and uh, one of the other aspects, too, is, and this applies as well. When, when we started our process of moving from Phoenix 2000 in 2006, uh, which, when I was a kid growing up in the 60s, was also a small town for the most part. Mm. And boy, has it spread out. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when we began the process of packing, mm. um, we just kind of, and we had plenty of time. Um, and so we just started putting things away and, and then getting rid of some things and so on and so forth. And even that process, uh, because now you're talking about a change of venue, a change of home. And it's one of those things that you, you look at and you ask yourself, what in the world are we doing? And why are we doing it? And do we really need <laughs> to be doing it? Uh, maybe we should just go ahead and find jobs right where we are and yeah. just avoid this whole mess. But you know mm-hmm. what? It was like for us, the universe was telling us, no. It's time for you to move closer to the ocean, which is what you've wanted all your life—to be close to the water—and um, and start start there. And it was quite miraculous when it comes to um, relationships. And of course, this is something that you this is what you do—you help people to work through those those issues. Um, have you run across? Uh, literally even from your perspective irreconcilable differences that even as you are trying to bring uh, to mend if you will and or heal this relationship even you can see that this no this is not going to work
1: right It, it you know one of the things that I say in the statement the core statement of this book is Greg stands across from the house and he says to me Denise do you want this house? And we loved the bones. We loved the, the structure, and we, we felt the Charleston presence in this house, which is also um, part of the draw to us, the wrought iron courtyard, which I talked about in the book.
2: Mm. But he
1: says to me, Denise, if you want this house, there is nothing in this house that cannot be fixed. And it's that commitment to this project that very much like a marriage, if, there's, if you want this, if you both are pulling, just as you were for this, um, you know, adventure of pulling a trailer, you know, together, if you both want this, then we're going to work. We're going to go in and get on YouTube, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're going to pull together and we're going to be patient with each other and we're at the hard times and we're going to see this through. And now being on the other side of this, it's, it's a great thing, you know, and it's strengthened us. I want to tell you, it could have took us down, and you're going to see that in the book. Um, the book is more of a story than it is a marriage self-help. Mm-hmm. But as a therapist, I wanted to bring in, I do it through construction breaks, the help that if you want to go a little deeper, they're going to be written on the sides, and you can say, I would say, this is what I recommend here or during this instance. And I'm going to tell you, I get kind of raw with it you're going to see, even as a counselor, I struggle with my own things, and he does as well, and he was gracious enough to let me share those. And, you know, I always tell people, I'm glad I sit on my side of the couch sometimes because what I'm sharing is hard to do. You know, it's why our divorce rate is so high, and, you know, it is hard to do, but it, it is worth it. It's worth the try. I'm proud of you. You guys got this uh, and said, we're going to make this move. We're going to extend out. And sometimes we have to take that risk, don't we, to um, make life uh, go in a direction or a little better yeah. than it's been.
0: Well, believe it or not, my wife said something last night as we're laying in bed watching TV uh, with a fire, pl- fire in the fireplace and the, the animals up on the bed uh, cuddled up to us and everything. She says, you know, I kind of miss being in the trailer. We we went on a trip to th- on th- at Thanksgiving and we uh, we stayed in the trailer for uh, let's see we we uh, uh, Thursday night Friday night and Saturday night yeah uh, so three nights we spent in the trailer with our uh, with our King Shepherd uh, Angus he's a, a beautiful black dog and this is only a twenty foot long trailer so there's not a whole right. lot of room in there uh, but the beautiful thing is it has a Murphy bed so you know we get to bring that down and then put it up and it makes more room. Uh, but I was I was taken aback a little bit by that. But I'm thinking, well, I, it's cozy, but there's no fireplace and so forth. But it does have a heater and all those wonderful little amenities of a 2019 uh, uh, trailer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty neat. And of course, she keeps saying, oh, you know, we could live out of this thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, well,
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
0: yes, and no. Short term, we could, but long term, I think that uh, it would it would begin to uh, begin to wear on us, and we would need to. Uh, uh come up with some other options but needless to say i just thought that was a rather astounding uh, uh and actually wonderful uh, uh comment because she really liked it and she's been wanting one for years i mean as long as we've been together since we moved to santa barbara she's wanted to get one so we could go camping and do all these wonderful things and I, you know and i have too, you know but mm-hmm. but at the same time uh i say look y- you have to be patient you know, you do. I mean, it, it, it took us eight years before the universe said move to Santa Barbara, which is her hometown. <laughs> she was born and raised here. Well, we've been here for 14 years. Well, right. 13 years in, roughly, we got the truck, which is what, something we've wanted. And then the year later, again, uh, October of 2019, we got the travel trailer. It just, everything just kind of fell into place and we didn't press. That's another thing. Uh, you know what with what your husband said nothing there is nothing in this cottage that can't be fixed and what that kind of says to me is if you're willing not only as you said to do the work but mm-hmm. also if you are willing to be patient take your time to make sure in the case of the cottage that it's done right and it's done well In our case, being patient and waiting for the universe to put everything in order, because that's what happened when we uh, we both lost our jobs in 2006. And it was like the universe was saying, hey, go. And I didn't have any fear. Whereas in the past, whenever I would lose a job, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And, you know, the whole frantic thing, but didn't have it in 2006. And that's why I kept telling my, uh, my wife, let's just be patient. It's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. But we can't push this. We can't press this. Can you talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about that process in relationships, in your marriage uh, 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 um, counseling, especially uh, because uh, of the fact that you also deal with, uh, what what is it, what's the term, uh, at-risk families?
1: Yes. And so... Um... I help with families that are struggling with their family system, usually because of teenagers, (laughs) Uh, adolescents that are, you know, at risk of being placed or maybe they have some law, you know, issues. And it causes strain on the family. Uh, They're not quite adults, but they're making choices that, um, you know, hinder them from moving forward, maybe finishing high school. So I have some of those that I work with. I am a family systems therapist, which I believe we live in a system. We don't just live as individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so treating the whole system is uh, helpful, you know, how we relate to one another. And so um, I believe that, you know, that risk is often hard for us. And so when you took this trailer on, uh, it's risk. And when you lost your job, there's risk there. And life is out of control, you know, it's. It's not within our um, ability to order always. But if we step out, then often they say the path rises to meet us, doesn't it? And that's what it sounds like with you that you stepped out and the path rose to meet you.
0: Sounds like that old Irish phrase, may the path rise up to meet (laughs) you.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Or the road. And I think that's the feeling there, you know. I'm going to tell you, as you read the story, and there's some some pretty outlandish things. I think this is money pit meets Charleston charm. That's what I heard someone (laughs) say. And I'm like, you're right. It is like that because um, things just keep happening. But patience, the knowledge that, you know, it's not going to be forever. It's taken a long time, but it's not going to be forever. And that the end product is worth the investment. When I have anxiety, for instance, um, the, the floor is being done and the living room's tore up, then shut the door and gain some, some calm, you know, when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't fret about what's going on out there. Create an environment that you can then work. And, you know, if you guys think about it, I wrote a book in the midst of this. Yeah. Um, and I had to find space for that. So... You know, taking risk and and stepping out to dream dreams. I think that comes from my World War II um, mom, who was born during that time and had a ninth grade education. She just really drilled into us: if you dream it, if you feel the desire, you can you can achieve that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've kind of kept those things throughout my life. So this is this book even is a part of that. And you know what? I wouldn't have had it except I lived what we did. Um, I have friends, and they have some little small redo project for three months, and they come to me and say, Denise, how have you done this for five years? Um, and it's just taking a day at a time. It is that wonderful patience you spoke about of, you know, you know looking at the end game and being thankful for the days and the memories that are being made.
0: Well, there are two things I want to have you touch on. One of them you you touched upon in reference to the cottage, and that is that uh, nothing is permanent. But that ties into a subject we have been talking about for the last few years on this program, about the one constant in the universe. No, it's not death and taxes. Uh, is change. And you take uh, the universe, you look at it and all this stuff, all this movement going on and everything, and it's constantly moving and changing. And um, it seems as though we've been sold a bill of goods that we're supposed to fear change, that we we need stability, Uh, especially when you think about the economic world. You know, Uh, I always find it funny when the numbers come out. Economists are never happy. Doesn't matter what the numbers are. economists are never happy because there's always something wrong with the numbers one way or the other, whether they're up or down. So I always say, so what numbers would make you happy? We want you happy. So what numbers can we give you that would would make you happy? (laughs) But the fact of the matter is we should actually embrace change, love change, um, celebrate when change comes instead of this whole fear thing. And especially in the respect to relationships. And I'm not necessarily talking about changing partners here. I'm talking about how even your relationship with your husband is not what it was when it's when you started. But a lot mm-hmm. of people seem to have this misconception that it's supposed to stay the same for fifty, sixty. 70. My parents have been married almost seventy years. Wow! And that's an accomplishment, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh probably closer to 65 but needless to say and i bet you when we visit visited them uh the the times that i've talked to them on the phone and if i'd asked i said so how has your relationship changed since not only you first met but when you first got married well obviously with kids and they moved into this house and that house and then they retired and blah 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 certainly those elements changed but so has the relationship can you talk to us about the, the the aspect of impermanence as, and and how that also works with, in conjunction with, being more uh, uh, willing to allow and embrace and dive into uh, change, even in one's relationship.
1: So um, we are in the empty nest time of our life, and I believe that development from the day that the umbilical cord is cut. We are continually growing, and that is, even with your parents, the 70 years in, they are still developing and still growing in their life. Um, That's all of us in humanity. Uh, You might look at people and say they're stuck, but actually they're making changes every day with the choices and the impact that the world's making on them. And so as a couple, we have to be willing to grow and allow that other person to grow and still make attempts to connect through the growth process. We think of empty nest. um, The baby boomers are in that and the Generation X. And the statistic is we're divorcing more than the millennials and those in their 30s, uh, late 30s. Um, And I looked at that statistic and I went, wow, what is that about? And I think it comes, we married younger and they're waiting longer so they know themselves a little better. That could be part of it. But also, as empty nesters, uh, we have to get to know each other again. We're not co parenting anymore. We're not the things that held us together, you know, the common goals have got to change. And so, I really emphasize in here that, you know, as we progress, we need to be continually relating to continue to grow individually, but then also to stay connected in that growth as a couple. And that takes a little bit of work, you know. We have to play again. I, I, I think of your story with your wife and this venture that you made, and and notice how you're you're kind of helping her too and this dream that she has. And maybe you don't want to live in there all the time, but you also are respecting her dream. And so this is about us respecting each other and our desires and our what fills our souls, and uh, being willing to. Uh, allow that person that growth. And um, in our in my book, um, Greg is a perfectionist. I talk about this, and he's very good at what he does. But the downside of that for me is it's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. We didn't have crews of men come in because he wants to do certain aspects of this house. And his quality of work means something to him. It causes me a little discomfort. But I want that for Greg. We have to know when to say no. Let's get some help with this so that goes a little faster, or when to respect him to say, "I know you want to do this." Hmm.
0: Um, Now, does does he go around the house when he's doing this work? Oh, you know the old Tim Allen thing with (laughs) home improvement, you know kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, And is he? I mean, I'm curious. Uh, and I, this is sort of a sidebar thing, but I, I'm curious as to whether or not he falls into that stereotypical guy thing, you know, uh, uh, in that respect. Again, notwithstanding what you've already said about how important it is to him to do this and to feel as though he's accomplished something that I mean, that does a lot more than people coming up to him and saying, oh, man, that's really fantastic stuff. Look at that. Because when he looks at it and he knows it's good. That does so much more for his his inner health, if you will
1: mm-hmm. Oh, I would agree with that. And you know the other thing is he works for an architect and he evaluates the buildings that they're according to plan all day long. and so actually he's a professional evaluator of buildings. You know sometimes I'll go in with my husband and I'll say, do you you know he was over the airport here and I said, do you know like do you see things in here?" And he goes I knew every mistake in this room, Denise, that was made, little things, you
2: mm-hmm. know? And, I, and
1: I'm, I'm aware of that because he is an evaluator, you know? And so uh, he's a man that you would want to come into your house and say, well, he could point out every sheetrock issue, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And, well,
0: I'm not sure I'd want him to do that because uh, if I don't know about it, then I don't have to worry about it.
1: <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Um, but in our house, it's so important to him to know that, well, nothing is completely perfect, isn't it? No, but not at all. But he can feel good about the way it's done. And my, my respecter of him says, I want to give him that opportunity. So, um, you know, and this has been a journey for both of us. And then you'll see there are times when I say, no, let's get somebody. We can have this done in two weeks let's get somebody to work on that and and he'll say you know what yes let's do that i'll 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 pass here for you as the phrase that wonderful dance isn't it
0: right it's that phrase that most guys don't want to hear especially from their their wives is let's call the guy okay let's just call the guy and he'll come out and take care of it and it'll be done and uh... We've had situations like that. Now we rent where we live right now, so but we also have the freedom to to make uh, certain modifications to our 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 living situation. And um, yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, I keep even. I mean, I'm I'm 59, but I'm still healthy. I'm well. I can move around. I can do things. My wife is in her uh, later 60s, and uh, she uh, she still is able to to do a lot of different things. Um, but at the same time, she also acknowledges her limitations, mm-hmm. but she also has this, um, this, this aspect about her. She has this intuition that sometimes, I'll be honest with you, my ego gets in the way and drives me crazy. It's like but I just thought this through. I measured twice before I cut once, blah, 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 blah. And she'll come out and say, well, why don't you do this? And it's taken me a while, but more often than not, I won't challenge her saying, well, I've already thought this through, et cetera, et cetera. I'll stop and I'll, I'll feel for just a moment. And I will say, okay, let's let's do that rather than what I was going to do. Um, matter of fact, I even remember a situation where I actually did that with myself, where we were cutting down some trees on the property that had died. Mm-hmm. And there was one that was inside of a dog run that I had built for our dogs. But I didn't want it to fall down. I didn't want it to fall uh, crush the fencing and what have you. So I wanted to get up high enough to where this piece would go there and that and the other. So I, I moved the ladder around the, the, the trunk of the tree, the, the base of the tree, for 20 minutes, trying to get it in just the right position. And then I finally got to the point where I said, Huh forget it. I'm going to come back at this tomorrow. Yeah. So I put the chainsaw away, I left the ladder up against the tree, went in the house, next day went out there, ah, okay, here we go. And I... I went to town on it and, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of people, because they want the quick fix, as you, you know, sort of described uh, with, with your impatience with certain projects at, at the cottage. Yeah. Um, do you find that a lot of people, unless we can take care of it in this session, so it doesn't take any more of my time or money, uh, yeah. if we can't come to it, then let's just, let's just end it. Let's just be done.
1: Oh, yes. So I I do see that. And it's actually, you know, that need to pull, that you both are committed to pulling together. You know, one person can't pull somebody else. Um, We both have to be um, in this together. And I also, I love what you're saying because it comes down to understanding, doesn't it, the other person, and valuing their gifts and how they help you. Um, I... You know, it's that empathy that I pull from, you know, that deep mutual respect. You know, people talk about love and love draws us together and we value each other in that. But deep mutual respect is so key here because if we respect somebody else and, and their gifting and we can then value that and see the good in that. And your wife's intuition is a gift. And at times, it's it's hard for you. At times, isn't it? Yeah. But in the same in the same breath, you can say it's been a gift, and I can value this.
0: All right, now let's let's tie that into the stereotypes that are portrayed, uh, at least for the most part, uh, of, of, during my upbringing. My am uh, I growing uh, older uh, on television in the movies, where it's not a team effort. One of the spouses is always trying to get the upper hand to win uh, at the expense of the other. And I look at that going, wait a minute. Uh, I thought that when you took those vows or what have you made that commitment that you were a team. I mean, can you imagine, for example, uh, the, 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 the L.A. Lakers or any other ball team, ball club, uh, each one of its players deciding, I'm just going to do my own thing and see what I can accomplish. Uh, uh, to heck with the other five or six or eight or 11 guys. Mm. Uh, you know, um, talk to us a little bit about that. And I'm not even going to call it a myth. It's it's a misplaced stereotype uh, that seems to foster that aspect more and more. Because I have to be honest with you, I, in the grocery store sometimes, I'm sure you see it, sometimes it's the wife who is, controlling, trying to control the situation with, not with the kids, but even with the husband, or sometimes it's the husband, you know, who's doing the doing that, playing that role. And I just look at that going, what are you guys even doing together? <laughs> mm-hmm, right.
1: <laughs> so, so if we think about our culture, our culture is, there's a lot, great deal of anxiety, isn't there, with, they say that Americans, there's 80% of us have a diagnosable anxiety disorder of some type.
0: No, I'm Often perfectly healthy. Office, I'm sorry. It's I, like, I refuse that.
1: <laughs> you know, it's not if you have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, as far as anxiety, and I think it's that anxiety that's so high that gives us this need to uh, get the other person to alleviate things for us. And I want you to think about that for a minute because, you know, um, if I need the house in order and, and my anxieties are off the chart then I may be expecting my husband to alleviate that. You know, you need to keep it in order for me, okay? Mm-hmm. That would be, uh, I'm living my own agenda there and not thinking of the other person. Um, there's a dance there that that I think that at times, uh, you know, part of our living our individuality out, we shouldn't lose ourselves in our marriage and only be, that, be about the we of us together. But... Um, We do need to um, have that conversation with each other. What do you need to feel not squelched? Um, And what do you need to grow and live in your own health?
2: So Um,
1: we should be more about our understanding of each other's emotional needs, intellectually respecting what the other thinks, Um, playing well and enjoying each other's company should be a large part of that. And then, of course, the, the sexual part of marriage also then comes into that we that we share together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so our physical needs being met. So, you know, it's about um, if we're not speaking up enough, you know, some people say they're very passive. Well, I just go along with. Well, that doesn't actually help either because we, we need to vocalize. Um, what we do need uh, in the relationship so that the other person can help us mm-hmm. and not just be passive with that. Yeah. It's this wonderful balance that we're looking for, balancing two very strong individuals living in their, their needs with this wonderful we that we put in the middle. It, it wouldn't it be easy uh, if we could just have some formula to make that happen, and what I've found is, this is interesting, you can get a very conflictual couple come in for marriage counseling, and with some tools and with some things that work, they go out and they go on to be married, and then you have someone else come in, a little bit more passive, you give them tools, and they end up in divorce. Yeah. It's so hard to predict, you know, well, um, how that's going to go, yeah. um, and a lot of that is the ability of them to connect. And it can't be formulized, you know, with a formula too easily. No. Um,
0: because everybody's different and every relationship's different, so the solutions to those relationships uh, are, are also different.
1: They're all different. Yeah. And, and uh, some of it depends on the amount of love and respect, too, at that foundation. What's left, uh, you know, has it been so damaged, it cannot recover. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, Greg and I went into this house with a lot of deep love and mutual respect. Uh, We had renovated before, so it wasn't like we had never done it, but never to this degree, never to this uh, amount of work and time. Uh, We, if our children had been at home, they're all grown, we probably would not have put them in this neighborhood, uh, would not have put them through what we did as a couple. (laughs) We wouldn't have wanted to do that. It was a perfect time for us, but it pushed us in ways. And I want to tell you, there were things said we wish we could take back. It could
2: mm-hmm. never be taken back.
1: But we also have deepened our love for each other through it. So we've come out on top. On
0: that. Well, and that's the, the other aspect of it, too. Um, we're talking with uh, Denise um, Broadwater. She's written a book called A House with Holes our marriage journey in a, a Charleston renovation. We're con- can- we are going to continue to speak with her here, but I want to give you a couple of uh, websites that you can uh, go to because I think that you're going to learn a lot from her as well. She has a blog, uh, Life Lights, which is at EmptyNestMarriage.com. And then she has a Charlotte, I beg your pardon. It's a Charleston renovation website called FreeMan'sCottageRenovation.blogspot.com, and uh, we will be linked to uh, your website uh, as well, Denise. I believe you have one that is just DeniseBroadwater.com, uh, correct?
1: Yes. So DeniseBroadwater.com, it will be all the media on connections and the oh, yeah. um, book and the availabilities there, and um, kind of it, it encloses encompasses everything. Um, Empty Nest Marriage is more about my daily uh, interactions and things that I'm learning that I post there. And then the Freedman's Cottage, um, blogspot.com, that's the actual renovation uh, as it went since 2014. And weekly and monthly I posted our um, pictures and things of things that we encountered. Um, and that kind of – the book has kind of grown out of that, though that is more of a – just a technical, you know, and I, I think that blog, you know, this is how Im, how impactful Charleston is. That blog, nine thousand views, ten countries, a um, lot of interest in just Charleston history. So um, that's more just the general stories as we encountered them, and then the book is, uh, you know, a fun. It's got some fun in it. It's not just heavy. Yeah, uh, there's. I had a raccoon in the house with me one <laughs> night when I came home and cooked dinner. There's a Disney uh, film
0: in there somewhere.
1: And you know, a <laughs> lot of little fun. You know, it, you know, it'll be funny. Yeah, so it's absolutely. Not just so serious, but in that, my my goal is to get to the deeper meaning and help for those that are trying to do this thing we call life and marriage. Absolutely, and finish well.
0: Well, we're not finished yet. We'll be back in just a moment with more with Denise Broadwater here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Stay tuned. Tell me your stories, I'll
2: do my best to understand
0: you. Welcome back. We're uh, building a program here called Tell Me Your Stories, New Paradigms for a New World. Uh, runs for uh, 50 minutes on the radio broadcast and that just goes on and on as long as we have the guest on the line. And our guest today is the author of A House with Holes, Denise uh, Broadwater. And I want to thank you for staying with us. DeniseBroadwater.com is the website. The basic website that you're going to go to will be linked to as well. She's got a couple of blogs and some good information as well as the... the uh, you refer to this as a memoir, uh, A House with Holes. I wanted to ask about... Because this came up at the end of the last segment as far as what went, came up in my mind as you were talking about vows. Now, the traditional vows are to love, honor, and obey. And some guys uh, figure that, uh, eh, to love, honor, and, well, take it into consideration what you have to say. But my rule my rule is law. <laughs> there are some guys like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> But my wife's my wife's and my vows that we took back in uh, 2002 um, were more along the lines of uh, whatever injury that uh, I might inflict upon you over the course of time. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking more emotional or, or spiritual, you know, that kind of thing, psychological. My intent is not to hurt you. But through the process of living life together, words, as you said earlier, words will be said, things will be done, uh, and so on and so forth. But that's not my intent. You know, so it's, our vows were more of an acknowledgement of what our life ahead was going to be. And again, we weren't uh, certainly not doing a self-fulfilling prophecy here. But it was more, again, acknowledging the realities of what it's like to live together. Now, I have to share with you that we both, my, pre- my wife and I, both come from other marriages. So this is our second go-round. And I hadn't really thought about that in the first relationship. But I've made this comment many times. I've only been divorced once. Never again. I will not do that ever again. So I'm doing everything I humanly can, seeking the divine's guidance, if you will, to make sure that does not happen, to make sure that, hey, the reason we got together was and is still the same. That doesn't mean that we can't grow and change, as you t- we talked about earlier. Talk to us about That aspect of maybe, I don't know if you do pre-marriage counseling of any kind. Uh, My first wife and I went through Engaged Encounter. My parents, who again, as I say, have been married for almost 65 years, um, they went through uh, and even came to us and said, we want to do this thing through the church called Marriage Encounter, but it's going to take some time away from you kids. Is that okay? And of course, we all said, no, that's fine. Go for it. Um, what about uh, that aspect of taking a different perspective in going into a, a committed relationship with another?
1: So um, I look for this, you know, more the aspect of joint um, submission. Um, so, you know, in the in the biblical sense, they often say love and obey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But isn't in reality love just another way to say joint? Uh, if I love you enough, I'm going to I'm going to consider you, mm-hmm. and then to defer to you, uh, maybe as the man woman to the man, defer to you. Um, should there be you know a decision that has to be made? So I think it's we jointly. You know, Greg looked at me. He didn't buy the house without my consent, did he? He said, you're just going to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what I think. You know, he said, if you're with me. And, you know, it's that joint um, commitment and pulling that really sets the whole marriage up. When we look back at the things that we didn't know what was ahead and the risk that we were taking, we knew we had done some, but it was going to get hard It was going to get days like, do we need to move somewhere so we can finish
2: this?
1: (laughs) I didn't know that then, you know, that as we opened it up, what we were going to face. But, you know, it often came back to, we're in this together. We decided this together. And I'm going to own as much as you own. There'll be times in in the book when I'm like, I'm done. I am so done with this house. And this happened, and I don't know if I can do it. And my husband, you know, he'll. it's so great because we can step back and say, you know, we're going to take a break. We're going to think about it. And then we're able to pull together and stand up and say, we can go again. So, and it's that, you know, level of you're with me, you've got my back. That really has deepened our relationship, no matter what comes our way. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't about just a rehab, is it? It's about adult children. It's about uh, our extended family. It's about financial problems that can come up. Think of the things that are impacting you. Because in marriage, we're going to have that. And we need to respect the other person enough to know that, hey, we're going to talk about this this isn't just you, this isn't just me, we're going to defer to those that have strengths in those areas, and and it's going to mean that we're going to be stronger as a unit. You know, we have this thought, when we get married, we we become one, right? Mm -hmm. And that thought, well, I want to face the world with somebody. And that's the beauty of marriage, isn't it? We can we can come as a joint unit and say, we're going to face the world together. We're going to face whatever comes our way. And, and it's keeping that unity. It's going to mean that sometimes I've got to defer to him, and I'm going to go with what he decides, and sometimes he's going to go with what I decide. It's not this all or nothing mentality. Yeah.
0: You know? I remember, too, um, when I would share with people, Oh, yeah. My folks had been married X number of years and had six kids and so on and so forth. And they would say, wow, your folks must really have sacrificed a lot. And I thought about that. And finally, I guess I'm in my 20s or early 30s, and I asked them the question, did you and dad, uh, did you guys sacrifice to have this big family? And uh, by the way, I've actually had the privilege of interviewing both of them on this program, which will air mm-hmm. after their passing, which could be another 20 or 30 years for all I know. They're in their 80s now. So, hey, we have longevity in the family. But yes. my mother and said, by the way, can I just say, yes. you were
1: brave to do that with your own parents.
0: Well, and it was a real juxtaposition for me because I had to ask the questions from the interview perspective as opposed to from their son's perspective. And that was an interesting dynamic. But um, my mother said, no, we didn't sacrifice anything because this is what we wanted. We wanted a big family. And in spite of the fact that we didn't know that uh, four of the six kids were going to have visual impairments that were going to require surgeries in their childhood and on and on and on the list and all of the other stuff, uh, we had no way of knowing all of that. What we did know was what we wanted. And that's what we got. And so, no, they didn't sacrifice a thing. When going into a relationship, do you think it's important or let me rephrase that. How important do you think it is? for the two to converse about what it is they want for the foreseeable future and for the long-term, for the way down the road?
1: Well, I will say I have seen people divorce on a lot less than that. (laughs) And, you know, if you think of it that way, um, the goals and and the direction and, um, the future is paramount. It, it means that we have to have continual conversations. I think so much of what we're talking about today is really complacency. It's getting apathetic and not committing to the work.
0: You think it's getting um, distracted from the rest of the world as well? I mean, especially in our technology technological world today. And the key phrase that is now thrown up to us all now is, Screens. The screens
1: are part of the problem. Yeah. So if you think about it, look—you go to eat now, and people aren't talking, are they? They're on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard someone say, you know, we didn't turn the TV or computer on all weekend. We just did puzzle together, or we we did something together as a project. Like, look how wonderful that is and meaningful. So it, it, takes, it takes intention, and, and both of you have to be on board with that. Maybe you, you'll say, well, Denise, I sit in there, and we're both on screens together. But, you know, I'm talking about uh, conversing, knowing me. Is it helping me know you? We've got a generation that's texting each other, you know, in the yeah. same house right there, texting mm-hmm. each other, preferring you that. Um, and, you know, I, I know that's connecting. But, you know, to get us in a place where we can sit across and look eye to eye, there's something about understanding each other that is being missed in that case.
0: Mm. Yeah. I have to say that um, until we acquired smartphones, my wife and I, uh, up until, I don't know, maybe 2003 or four or something or maybe later than that, Actually, it was later than that because it was after we moved to Santa Barbara. Uh, the radio station uh, began to connect, uh, you know, have access to uh, uh, remotely to the station. I, there was access mm-hmm. that way. So I had to get a smartphone on top of the other thing. So we both have had smartphones. I would always have to go into my computer room, my studio at the house where we live, in order to do whatever it was that I needed to do. Okay, if I needed to log on to the computer at work to do this, that, or the other thing, or take care of somebody's business or answer emails, I would have to leave the, the living room where we were watching TV together. I would be in there maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour. I come back, she's wondering, where were you? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> then when I got the smartphone, I didn't have to leave the bed. So there was a plus, but I have now gotten to the point where if I'm going to even touch that phone, it's going to be between programs at the most. OK, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, every half hour, hour, that kind of thing, because there's and then, And then, of course, if a phone call comes through, that's a whole nother deal. Uh, I do have notifications that pop up for texting because sometimes someone is going to text me from the station saying this, that or the other thing. But I made the modification so that I didn't have to leave the room. Because she wanted me there. Now, I may not like every single program we watch, but the fact that we're together, that's one of the things that you talk about. Um, The fact that we're together in the room, enjoying uh, the togetherness with all of our other fur children, our our animals, a dog and five cats. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a whole lot of
1: love going on there. there?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And so I I made that concerted effort to do that because I knew how important it was to her. And I, I actually, I enjoy it a whole lot better, uh, f- you know, especially then I don't have to get out of the bed over and over and over again. kind of thing. <laughs> But anyway, uh, th- that's one of the things, too. Uh, do you feel that there are ever instances where the two should maybe take separate vacations kind of thing or maybe get away for a weekend retreat solo or those kinds? Are those kinds of things uh, uh, I, I used to have a men's group. This was in my first marriage. And it was just three of us, three guys. I was the only married one at the time. And uh, we used to go off and do stuff. And I, I had the the greatest time. Um, and so I'm wondering how, how important is it to have self-time, even in a committed relationship where you love each other and you want to be together and so on and so forth?
1: I, oh, I am so for that. I have this, venn diagram that shows a we that is too large and the eyes are squished the eyes are squished because they're losing individuality i talk about a fishing trip in the boat that my husband takes here we are in the middle of a project and he gets a wonderful opportunity for two weeks to go to canada and you know I, you know i could have said well this house is a mess and i need it done and I don't want you going anywhere. And I knew in my heart Greg needed that fishing trip in the midst of this. And he went because he needs to feed his heart and his soul. And that means that sometimes it's scratching with the guys, getting bug bit behind the fishing pole. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, in yeah, Canada, yeah. Um, we can suffocate each other. Do You know, that is as hard on intimacy as if there were just roommate relationships where we're not even talking. So I believe in a good balance to that. Um, There are times when your wife needs to hang out with maybe her family without you or maybe friends. It it isn't for me to decide what that is, but for you as a couple to say, she needs this or he needs this. And, dear, it might be drinks. It might be, you know, other things. And I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that some. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are times when I, my husband's had, wanted to do things, and, and I'll think, oh, you know, um, we have things to do. Yeah. But it's really about their health. Are we interested in their health? I also want to talk about marital arguments, some Please. of them are not one. Or you don't come into consensus. You're not going to change your mind, or mm-hmm. you're not, or their mind on something. There's going to be a conflict there. Not all marital arguments have to be won. Sometimes they're just to be accepted and respected.
2: Yeah. Whereas, so I
1: think you know that growth of individual individuality is. I can disagree with you, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to respect your opinion on that, and yeah. it differs from mine. Yeah. It's
0: okay. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. my wife has a real hard time with my position on death. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not looking to leave anytime soon, okay? I'm hoping to be here another 40 years. I have to outlive my great-grandmother who lived to be 100 years old. So, you know, i got another mm-hmm. lifetime to go here. <laughs> but if today were my day, in spite of the fact that there's still a lot more I want to do in this life, I'm good. I'm good to go. Um, yes. You know, and and... I also know too that in this world, she will be fine. I know this, uh, right. and how do I know that? Because she still has family, and in spite of the fact that she may not think she has a lot of friends, she does. Uh, a lot of them are mine, but they're ours, uh, <laughs> and so forth. But one of the other aspects of this this issue of arguments, you know, I, you know, you hear the rules. You, know, you hear the rules of arguing. Uh, kind of thing and and in, in this day and age it doesn't seem like there are any rules um, in that regard and, and like I said before at the beginning of the program there are people that are literally the families are torn apart, split won't have anything to do with one another or in, and in some cases it's relatives who find out that oh you believe that? Are you, abso- are you out of your mind? I want nothing to do with you and it's like Wow, you would sacrifice your relationship with your brother, sister, mother, husband, wife, best friend. I've got a best friend I have known for 50, I think, 50 years. We met in sixth grade and we've stayed in touch. Uh, And we had a situation back in the 80s where we took a trip together to Kansas. And when we got back... I said, you owe me X number of dollars. He says, no, 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 you owe me. And we started to argue a little bit about that. And I said, you know what? Forget it. If you're agreeable that we're at a zero balance, let's leave it at that because I'm not willing to let our relationship go. We've been through too much over the years that we've been together through grade school, high school and college to see it go away now. And he was in in agreement. And we've we've been friends again, continuously, uh, even since then. So what about repairing those kinds of philosophical rifts, whether they be political or religious or economic, uh, in a relationship? Can it be done, or is it the bottom line that unless the two parties are willing, no, it can't?
1: You know, I, I think that, um, first of all, we live in such polarization. Um, I remember growing up having differing people on different sides, but never to the contentiousness. And this is not one or the other. This is all sides are contentious. You know, it's it's been, you know, uh, interesting to live in today's environment. And I I actually think it comes down to a whole lot of Mm self-righteousness. And I'm not even talking about faith.
2: Mm -mm. I'm
1: talking about just this, I have the corner on truth.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, this attitude, instead of respecting the other person as an adult to be different from you and being okay with it, not ridiculed. Um, we see this, don't we, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. We have trolling. Mm-hmm. We have, And, you know, I've thought, even in putting myself out here with this book, you know, I could end up with trolls, you know, <laughs> that don't like me,
2: mm-hmm. that,
1: um, you know, come after that. For me, and I'm willing to do that for the help of other people because I want to see other people helped. But I think that we have to have this flexibility that says, you know what, there's yours, here's mine, and I can like you and love you in what you decide. Um, Can I also say this? We have this pack that we carry. Uh, often filled with boulders and rocks of hurt. (laughs) So I want you to think about that. And that's very common within families, especially when there's dysfunction and there's controlling and there's hurtful things said. These things pile up, hurtful actions, abusive things. But to me, releasing that is so paramount to our happiness in life. And everybody has their different abilities to release. Think about marriage. Um, my husband has hurt me at times. And my happiness is not letting those pile up, but be willing to release those to his charge. Do you know he's releasing things to my charge? Really? You know, I'm not sitting here perfect, am I? Mm-hmm. I know that I have had things I've done, and he's been gracious to me to say I have let that go. I'm not bringing that up to you every day. Yeah. Look at you, you know, and so I don't want to do that to him. It's that ability to release those things continually that keeps us in that happiness place. Think of your family. You know, I I have had to deal with things with my parents. You've got wonderful parents. I had a more functional past. Mm. And so I've had to let some things go because my mother chose things that weren't always the, the wisest decision. And she's now in her 70s, and I've been able to release some of that. Guess what? I have screwed my own children up in ways they will sit in their own therapy, even with me, Denise, as mother. Mm. So I have had to come to terms with, you know what? I hope that they will give me that same benefit, and I'm going to let those things go.
2: Uh, you know, I love
1: my mother where she is right now. Now, that being said, I'm going to set boundaries that say, this is acceptable behavior today. She doesn't have that same power, does she? And I can not be there at times when things are being done. And I'm not saying you sit there and take things, but I'm saying these are the things we carry day to day that were from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, those things build up. Mm. And I want that release. It hurts you. Yeah. It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. And I, and that ability to say, I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to keep holding on to that, so that we can be together on Christmas. It's it's eight hours generally, mm-hmm. you know, and it's worth it yeah. to come together and say, you know, we're going to love each other in this moment and appreciate, you know, who you are. Um, yeah, at this time, yeah, think you know. that gives a good yeah thought
0: to that. But. I'm going to have to ask my brother and sisters, and even my parents, this question because I've always always used this analogy of my family. Uh, it wasn't Norman Rockwell, but it certainly wasn't dysfunctional. Uh, you know, right. we, you you had seven, you had eight people living in a three bedroom, one bathroom house that couldn't have been more than maybe I'm I'm just guessing here, two thousand square feet.
1: Mm, okay wow
0: and we all came out of it alive <laughs>
1: yeah. i i i love how you just said it was somewhere in the middle because you know what isn't that a great place to be yeah somewhere in the middle yeah
0: i mean and we never had those knockdown dragouts at the thanksgiving or christmas table uh i mean the, my memories are more year after year especially during the 70s where you'd have thanksgiving and christmas and new year's dinner and they were all basically the same in terms of I mean, we, we even had a turkey on New Year's Day uh, and it was raining. It was it seemed like it was always raining on Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's Day when we were having dinner, which was OK. It wasn't a, it wasn't a problem. But it that, I just remember that how neat that was. And then, of course, uh, somewhere in the afternoon, the sun would poke out and you'd get a rainbow and and all these kinds of stuff. Uh, and uh, our usual uh, holiday game to play was croquet out in the backyard mm. Mm. and and those kinds of things. And it's not to say that we didn't have our differences. I mean, my God, you've got eight people living in one house with one bathroom. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opinions
2: there. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> uh, and I had four sisters and one brother. And so he and I were in the minority most of the time. But by the same token, we found ways of not spending a lot of time in the house. And it wasn't. Because of my sisters, it was just because we were out, out in the neighborhood doing stuff with our friends. Um, and, uh, you know, I still have excellent relationships with both my brother and my sisters. I have an older sister who told me uh, when I got married the first time uh, that, you know, she better be nice to you or she'll have me to answer to. I'm like, wow, I got a wow. big sister who's <laughs> who's who's uh, defending me even before I get married here the first time. But it's it's uh, and, and then, of course, my parents are the same way in the sense that, as you described your experiences, raising your children and your assessments, if you will. Uh, my parents did the same thing in front of us say, saying this, you know, Richard, we wish we could have protected you more,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know. And I thought, wow, OK. And I look at most parents, you you as well as my parents. You did the best you could with what you had.
1: That's right. You know,
0: and, and I don't blame them for their lack of protection as they see it. Um, that's life, you know, and I, right. yeah, I would have been nice if it had been a different way, but it wasn't. It was the way that it was, and I'm still here. I made it through. And yeah. so now I want to share with others that, you know, you can make it through. and you, you, And if you're the one that's causing difficulties for people to make it through, you don't have to do that. You, you can you can do a di- go a different direction and focus your energies on the things that you want to accomplish. And in your case, uh, Denise, um, renovating this beautiful Charleston cottage. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: and, and not only what an accomplishment in terms of, of doing that and staying together in your marriage, in your relationship with your husband, but also in renovating this beautiful facility that I am assuming, I don't know, are you living in it or is it now? Uh, yes, we-
1: we are we are within a couple months of finishing. Oh. Just about to move to our outside spaces. So people have said to me, Denise, where's where's more of the finished picture as well? You know, when I finished the book, we still had a little bit to do.
2: There you go.
1: Um, and so we are still there. Uh, we hope to own this for a long time. Yeah. Uh, we may not always live in it as our primary. Sure. But, uh, we will, you know. Um,
0: but, what a uh, feeling to that drive it's by to it, gift
1: that keeps on giving with well, others,
0: well, too, yeah, so. but what a feeling to drive by and know how much of you and your husband is in that in that cottage.
1: Yes, it'll always be dear to us. Do you know after the book came out, I had someone because Charleston is very traveled, a lot mm-hmm. of people come here um, every year, and we I had a woman that on Facebook got a hold of me and said, "I just went past the house with holes." get a picture of it and i went oh my i've had my first drive by (laughs) (laughs) so that was pretty cool
0: well that's very 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 cool a house with holes is the title of the book or marriage journey in a charleston renovation uh, we we encourage you to go to her website uh, which is of course denisebroadwater.com. Uh, we will be linked to her website as well and certainly uh, look forward to, to uh, hearing more about this this beautiful house that is you know it's it's out there in Charleston. I'm, I'm sure that um, we can get you uh, get you connected um, And just before we go here I just want to share with our listeners uh, that uh, this is how, Important. Her husband, Greg, is to her. She dedicates the book to Greg, my husband and my brightest life light. Your gifts are extraordinary and there's no one I'd rather work alongside. Thanks for changing our lives and supporting me to change mine. And what a beautiful sentiment we all should be able to share with our significant others uh, in that regard. Allow the other person to change um, and I will tell you, uh, we talk about choices on this program a lot because my book that I've written is called Choices, Five Steps to Life. And it stems from my f- second wife, my present wife's bout with cancer back in 2001. And before she went into surgery, I asked her point blank, and it's how the book starts, do you want to live or do you want to die? I may not like the choice that you, I, that you make But I will support you in it, whatever it is. And, uh, of course, she told me later that she'd already decided she wanted to live. And, of course, she's been free and clear of it ever since. But nonetheless, to allow somebody to make choices that they feel they need to make and supporting them in that, whether you like it or not, I think, you know, it just seems to me extremely important to do.
1: Absolutely. I love that. I love, love that concept. And that's about growing together and supporting you. If you think of my dedication, Greg has supported me in my dream. And I hope that I have supported him in his.
0: Denise Broadwater, I want to thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. And should you and your husband find yourself out here in Santa Barbara, uh, we'd love to have you in studio to continue this conversation because there's always, there's always more to talk about.
1: It has been a pleasure to be with you on the West Coast and to join you and... Um, I am always open to comments and readers contacting me. This is about connecting.
0: Absolutely. I
1: thank you for your time and this opportunity.
0: I have three final questions for you as I do all of my guests. You may have answered them during the interview, but I like to ask them directly. And before I do, I want to remind our listeners, this is 2020, the year of perfect vision, inner vision. Tap into your own intuition and even that of your significant others. You can't go wrong. I I can guarantee it (laughs) because (laughs) uh, I've hurt myself when not listening to my wife's uh, guidance uh, from time to time. And uh, it uh, it can go a long way for you. And also, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing here, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, We have PayPal and Patreon accounts to do so. And we would certainly accept emails at TMYS. That's for Tell Me Your Story. TMYS at RichardDugan.com. So the first of the three questions as we wrap up this uh, Tell Me Your Story edition, who is Denise Broadwater?
1: So I am a woman who fills a 24-hour day with way more than is sanely possible. <laughs> I am a driven, working woman. Um, I am from Amish descent. My mother was, and father were both born Amish. Unusual. And they have such strong work ethics. And so as a young girl, I was uh, my mother has, was no longer in the Amish, but that work, work ethic is within me. Mm. Uh, so I actually work for fun. I mean, that is probably who I am to the core. Um, I am a woman of deep spirituality and faith. Um, I long as a middle child to help people live in less pain and more joy. I want things to be good for you, and that's the really the goal of my writing. Uh, it's just another arm of what I do in my office and caring for other people and making their lives better, mm. um, and I am an empathetic person who um, has great intuition, much like you talked about with your wife. Um, <laughs> I feel like the gift of discernment when I sit with others, and wanting to use uh, and hold on to things that... I've been placed with with an open hand, knowing that really I don't have a lot of control, but wanting to live in the joy of what is given to me this day. So.
0: What is it that you hope to or want to achieve with the work that you're doing now?
1: Um, I think it is to help people release uh, pain and hurt and things that they carry every day that hinder them from having peace in their life and joy in their heart. Um, that's a tall order, but I think that we can and should be growing toward that every day. And so just causing a little bit of thought, I believe it comes in small doses. It's not um, large monumental epiphanies, but in small tweaks that we have in our life. And that's my goal is I sit with people. Um and in my writing as well as so I reach out and then to be that to my family, ultimately, those that are in close relationship with me, mm-hmm. to grow in that, to own what I need to own and uh, so my goal in that is to connect and make your life better.
0: And finally, what is your life's purpose?
1: So my my life's purpose is, To leave this world better than I found it. Um, I came in with a blank slate, but having touched those around me, loving well, and leaving joy and peace uh, with those that I have, maybe even hurt, you know, along the way because life is hard. But leaving it in a uh, in a time when, uh, in a way that is peaceful and joyful. So I, I guess that would. That up. You know, we're just here for such a short time, aren't we? I'm in my 50s as well, and it's gone quick, and I'm sure the next 50 are going to go faster. So, um, the footprints that I leave, I want them to be helpful. <laughs>
0: A House with Holes is the title of the book. Uh, Author and guest here on the program today, Denise Broadwater, and I thank you again for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast and podcast, love to lol.